Well, good morning. I'm going to turn these up for my tallness today. It is great to be with all of you. Thank you so much for the invitation, Tyler, to come and be with your people here in Carrollton. It's good to see this congregation that loves him so well um, and, and to be with you. So I appreciate it. Maybe you have seen the news this week and the stories coming out of Kentucky. Asbury College, I think I'm saying that right. Revival has come. Have you seen the news? People have been singing and praying for going on, I think, 10 days now. A college group met two Wednesdays ago for their regular chapel service and stayed. They stayed after the service, and they have been singing and praying ever since. And now people are coming from all over the country to join in, so it's grown even more. Well, this is kind of interesting. I did not grow up with uh, much revivalism, um, but I have seen lots of YouTube videos of loud, sweaty preachers, and that's kind of my image of a revival. But this is a little different. But some critics have been pushing back on this revival at Asbury College. And an article was written for Baptist News Global, maybe you have seen it this week, by Mark Wingfield. And he says, Only time will tell if this revival bears fruit. Only time will tell. And I have to agree with him. Growing fruit, as we know, takes time. It doesn't just crop up overnight. In the summertime, I love growing tomatoes. Um, I started doing this a few years ago, and Louis Grizzard once said, it's difficult to think anything but pleasant thoughts while eating a homegrown tomato. I sure agree with that. Nothing like a homegrown tomato with a little salt and pepper on it in the summer. A homegrown tomato is so satisfying because it takes time and care to grow. You have to battle with the Georgia heat in July. You can't water the soil too much, but just enough. You have to pull all the weeds that crop up. And you got to keep the deer and the squirrels and the rabbits and the birds and the bugs away. It's a grace-filled wonder that fruit has any chance at all. Now, Jesus had a little something to say about seeds and soil and fruit. In the parable we heard read just a moment ago, Jesus tells that someone began scattering seed all over the place. Some of the seeds fell onto um, a walking path and were trampled and had no chance at all. And some of the seeds fell into rocks where there wasn't a lot of moisture. Some fell into a thorn bed and got choked out. But some of the seeds fell into good soil and produced fruit a hundredfold. So often when we think about 
Our mission to spread the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ loves us and that we are forgiven. We think of spreading it far and wide, scattering seed all over the place. We think of doing this with quick, rapid progression. Moving forward, we got to get on to the next campus, the next school, we got to get to the next town. And it's how revivals kind of were in the beginning, going on horseback, really traveling through towns just to spread the word as quickly as we could. But we know that fruit grows best in good soil, and good soil takes time to nurture. Even if you, you know, buy packaged soil, you've got to mix it in, get the fertilizer and all that. You've got to get a good spot for the soil. There's more tending to be done in the garden even after you get the good soil. You've got to care for the seeds, protect them, make sure they're getting enough nutrients and sunshine. So we know from this parable that spiritual growth and spreading the gospel and missional growth takes patient endurance. Jesus teaches that those in the good soil are the ones who've heard the word of God and they hold on to it fast and with a good and honest heart. These are the seeds that bear fruit with patient endurance. Now, unfortunately, patient endurance is hard to come by. I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting in the Chick-fil-A line and the car in front of me is fiddling with their Chick-fil-A one app and they can't get the code to work and they want to use a coupon and the line next to me starts moving faster, I get a little frustrated. I don't have much patience. I don't have much endurance. We like things fast. Our culture is a now, now, now culture. We get our meals sent to our houses. We have grocery uh, boxes that come in, like HelloFresh and all that, that come. They've pre-measured all the ingredients for you. The recipe's right there. You don't have to look anything up. You don't even have to go to the store. It's quick. It's fast. But we know that God's mission in the world isn't like that. We can't snap our fingers and spread the good news. It's slow growing. God's fruit takes a long time. And that is why patient endurance is really an act of hope. And we need God's grace to get it done. In her book called A User's Manual on Hope, Mary Ann McKibben says this, We are a spiritually antsy people. We have little patience. It is better to hustle and move on forward. She calls it the liturgical dance of the church of moving on. In our relentless onward, hope suffers because hope isn't always a growth enterprise. And she goes on and she she quotes a sports psychologist who says this, There's a difference between winning shallow and winning deep. Winning shallow is winning and success to impress others. 
Winning deep is where you can actually feel the richness of your journey, where you are deeply attached to the joy and struggle of the process, where you're attached to the mess of growth. I think Louis Grizzard was onto something. And that is why a homegrown tomato is just so darn good. Because when you've worked with the seeds and you've grown them and you've tended to them and you've gotten your hands dirty in the mess, that's winning deep at the soul level. That's bearing fruit with patient endurance. I want to share a story with y'all from my first church in Madison, Georgia. So I was fresh out of undergrad from UGA, go dogs, of course. And I was in nearby Madison, and I was doing uh, youth and children's ministry. Well, there was a teenage girl who suffered from juvenile arthritis. She had several developmental delays and a heart condition, and she had really lived kind of on the fringes of this small town community, um, and even in our church. While people were, you know, very friendly to her, she just wasn't really engaged. So I thought to myself, I'm going to change things around here. And one day I decided, you know, I'm just going to go up and talk to Caitlin, and she's going to get on board, and she's going to be part of the youth group. Well, that didn't happen the first time I talked to her. I'd said hello, I asked her about school, and she didn't really respond much. She was very shy, and I really went home feeling defeated. What the heck? I thought this was going to go differently. I thought I could snap my fingers and make her included. But little by little, after I asked God for God's help with this situation, Months passed, and finally, the youth group, they started talking to her more, more smiling, more asking questions, and one night, on a Wednesday night, she came up to me and said, I think I'd like to go to the youth house tonight, and she did, and she didn't say much, and she was very quiet with the youth group, but she did cross the street instead of sitting in the sanctuary listening to the choir rehearse, and she joined the other teenagers. And slowly but surely, after several months, I got a phone call from her parents, and they told me that Caitlin had a decision to talk to me about. She wanted to be baptized. And so we baptized Caitlin, and the youth group all sat together, and it was one of the most beautiful baptisms I've ever seen. She came up out of the water just beaming. It took nearly the whole time I served at that congregation to see the fruit come to fruition in Caitlin. But it did, with patient endurance that God gave me and blessed me with and gave to our students and our congregation. We couldn't have done it on our own, because I'm not a patient person. But with God's help, we could. In Athens, there is, uh, we have a Salvation Army. And they have a homeless shelter, and they have a feeding ministry. In the back parking lot, there's a garden 
where they grow fruits and vegetables that they serve to the homeless all year round. And it's enclosed ah, it's enclosed in a fence, and on that fence, painted in big, bold, bright colors, are two words: Hope Garden. That is what the kingdom of God and missions is all about. Living with hope that God will show up and use us in bigger and better ways than we could ever ask or imagine. It's a hope garden. And we do that with patient endurance. Amen.